idea how to say your name. So, Arab? Arab. Arab? Yeah, there you go. But how do you say your last name? Bethke. Bethke. Oh, that's easier. Yeah, that's easier. I know, I know. Arab is, uh, yeah, it's, 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 sometimes even I get confused with how to but say But you're, it. you're Lebanese? <laughs> no, I was actually born in Kenya, in Nairobi. In, right. Okay. I knew that there were, I've talked to like four people who were foreign that were actually not from the country that they were raised in. So yeah. I knew that you were one of them, but I couldn't place where exactly it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born in, I was born in Kenya and, uh, and then I was raised in Mexico City. So I kind of tell people I'm from Mexico because I kind of identify more with Mexican culture than with Kenyan culture. You know, I lived So how old were you when you moved to Mexico? I was six. So I lived in Kenya until I was six. However, I did get a Kenyan name, which is yeah. Ara, which means son in Swahili. And uh, I guess my, my parents were kind of going through a hippie phase and they'd already had kids. And, you know, the third kid is always... You know, they're just like, ah, oh, whatever, let it be raised <laughs> by the lions or whatever. So they just, uh, and they were, you know, living in Kenya and uh, they wanted to give me a name that kind of represented that I was born there and add up. Is that where they're from? No, my dad was German. Okay. And my mom's from Chile, from, from Chile. Gotcha. Oh my gosh. So how did they end up in Kenya? I know. It's a, it's a. That is so crazy. To yeah. Me. Yeah. It's, it's funny because they. They were, um, they started kind of traveling the world and having kids all over. Um, my sister was born in, in Washington, and then my brother was born in Ecuador, and then I was born in Kenya, and then they moved to Mexico, and they decided to not move anymore. My dad used to work at the UN. So, oh, okay. Well, then there so you That's go. why he was, he was like transferred every seven years, and, uh, you know, he did kind of all these UN missions all over the world. And when, when we got to Mexico, my sister was, you know, starting, I think, middle school or something. And, and they just said, you know, we don't want to move around so much. And I remember that moment. I was, I don't know, about 10 or 11. And they said, okay, we either, it's either Brazil or Fiji. And we're all like, let's go to Fiji. That's so cool. <laughs> But think of how weird it would be to live in, I mean, I guess that's wrong to say it wouldn't be weird, but it would be such a different life. It would be so small. You'd be living in a bubble. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I mean, we probably would have been there for only seven years and then probably moved some, some, somewhere else. But I'm pretty sure if I would have, if, if my dad would have decided to go to Fiji, I would not be having this conversation with you right now. Most right, I right, mean, right. My life choices and my whole path would have been completely different. I'd probably be, I don't know, surfing somewhere in the South Pacific. Or totally, totally. <laughs> but it would be kind of amazing. So yeah, 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 yeah. So it would have uh, worked out. Yeah. It's did fun you those choices? When you moved to Mexico, then did you immediately get into the creative arts? Like, had you always felt that desire to be an actor, to be a writer, to be a producer, and do all that? Well. Um, actually, I got my first kind of big break, my uh, my first commercial when I was when I was really young. Actually, I just got into Mexico, and somehow um, I don't know if it was as a producer or, or a talent scout or somebody saw me literally on the street with my dad, and they said, "Hey, he has a good look. You know, you want to test him for a for a commercial?" And so they took me there. They tested me, and, and I end up 
booking the job. And it was a, a huge campaign for the, for the World Cup that was taking place in Mexico that year. And I was, I thought I was going to. Oh my God, as a kid, I would have freaked out. (laughs) So they had me go to the, to the uh, Azteca Stadium, which is this huge stadium in Mexico City. And, um, and they had me kick a ball all all over the field all day, you know, in the camera. And I would just kick the ball from one end to the field to another until, you know, hours and hours into this. I was like, I want to go home. This is, you know, it's, it's, I hate this. I don't want to be in this. And they're like, no, no, just one more. Until finally my dad said, okay, that's enough. You know, I'm going to wrap yeah. it up. And he said, yeah, yeah, we have it. It's all good. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, the ad will come out in two months or whatever. And I was all excited. I was going to be, you know, the image of the World Cup. And when the ad came out, it was a huge collage of images. And my face came out literally one second. And there was something cut to something else. And I was like, what is this? That is what, how TV is made. I hate it. <laughs> and I bet you told all the kids that you were the star of the World yeah. Cup, like commercial, and then they see it, and you have to explain yourself because this happened to me, so I understand this. Like, <laughs> because when they cut something, it's like it's so fucked up, and you take it personally, or yeah. even if it is, and you know, like it's not, but especially I think as a kid, you get such a high expectation because I've been doing this since I was a kid as well. And so you get so excited, like you do this huge project. This is so awesome. And then the result is like, oh. Yeah. Oh, it was only a second. And then people are like, so wait, you were working all day for that one second? And and yeah, then then you realize, you know, how much effort is put into this that we do. And a lot of people don't understand. And, you know, a lot of my friends still say, oh, you you know, your job is so easy. You just hang out in your your, your trailer all day and then you go and... (laughs) Her face in front of the camera and then go back and get massages. I'm like, no, that's not how it's it works. not what it is. I <laughs> wish you would go back and get massages. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, that's when I kind of realized for that, for a long time, I didn't, I didn't get back into it. But then another opportunity came when I was a bit older. I was about 11 or 12, and a producer went to shoot um, a pilot in my school. And I was friends with a kid who had already worked a lot. And um, he introduced me to the producer. And he said, hey, you have a great look. The same thing. You have a great look. You know, I, I think you could, you know, you, you should get into this. Come to my office because I'm starting a show in a couple of months or whatever. So, you know, he, he gave me his number. I told my dad. He was like, ah, my dad was very, he was, you know, an engineer, an economist. He was very German, very disciplined. So he had, he did not want me to get into acting right um, and but he still took me you know he's too, he, he went with me to this guy's office what a good what a good dad you have yeah yeah Aww. he was a great guy he was a great guy i mean with all of his um discipline and, and all this kind of german part that he had he was also very kind of adventurer and he liked to read and right and cook into good food so he was he was a really great Great, great. He was a Renaissance man, if you will. Yes, he was a bohemian and an intellectual. Um, so he said, "All right, well, you know, we'll go and check out this this meeting and see what this guy's all about." And uh, he's he's a very important producer for, especially for kids things in Mexico and Televisa and mm. this big uh, TV company. And is that like I know nothing about 
Mexico at all other than Ivana, your girlfriend who tells me everything. And and I don't know if you know this or if she told you, but like 86% of the algorithm of my followers and following and fan base is all from Mexico. <laughs> and wow. yeah, so it, it's the funniest thing in the world to me because I don't speak Spanish and, I, and I'm trying so hard to learn. And she's like, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to do this because I just want to please these fans. But it, it's, it, what is it like I want to keep with the story, but just as a side note, just so I understand kind of culturally, is there a huge like television culture with children as well? Yeah. I know like the, the you know, telenovelas and all that are huge, but is it also like that for kids? Like where they're very famous and, and it's a huge presence? It, yeah. It used to be, especially before there was, um, because now, because the markets are so international, now kids have all access to all the, the shows that are produced here, so they see right. that. Uh, but, but like that, when you did it, it was a big deal. It was, yeah, it was a big deal. We right. did the show for about a year, and it was basically, it came out every Saturday morning. It was a show uh, directly targeted to kids, and it was about, uh, you know, it had different sections, all presented by by, by kids. And it, I presented a, a video section, for example, and there was a, a section of, of um environmental issues and there was a section of building things and there was a section of uh, current news in the world and then games and then so it was very kind of interactive we had a live audience but it was also um is also you know aired every saturday and it was a lot there of was fun. a live audience that's yeah, so audience. crazy as a kid yeah it was crazy and i had no experience so you know, to, to just finish the story of, of me, but we'll just make a parenthesis before we finish the show. I'm going to teach you a couple of words in Spanish. So you, yes. can, you, yes. so you can thank your Spanish, your <laughs> Spanish audience. Okay. okay so, um, but, um, but yeah, so, so uh, I had the meeting with this, with this producer and he was really cool. And he said, my dad said, okay, he can do this as long as it does not affect his school hours. Right. And he said, yes, right. Yes, we're going to shoot in the afternoons because everybody's going to school and then we'll shoot on Saturday. And we said, okay, perfect. So they gave me a, a little crash course on acting for a week. Uh, I went there every <laughs> just afternoon. Just a week. A week. Just a week. <laughs> you know, just, you have to breathe and this is how you say things. And this is a camera and this is a studio. I had no idea. After a week, on Saturday morning, they said, all right, you have to be at the studio at 8, 8 a.m. And these are your lines. I was, I was freaking out. I had, you know, I was so scared. I was so nervous. There's a live audience. There was a camera. And they're like, all right, take one. Let's do this. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I just started some. All right, it's cool. Take it back. Take two. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Take, take, <laughs> take 15. And all this freaks out. The more and more, you know how, how you start getting more and more nervous, the more right. and more you see it's not working and every, there's this huge expectation and everybody's getting really, you know, edgy. And until finally the, the director came and said, listen, just say it with your words. And that just clicked something in my brain. And I said, okay, I can just be myself. I don't have to adhere myself to these words exactly as they're written. I can interpret. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, right. so that just made it all kind of change and, uh, and, and it started flowing and I had a great time. And you just loved, you, did you love performing in front of people as well? Yes, yes, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the feeling of the audience being there, the rush of the preparation, that kind of adrenaline rush that you feel before you go live. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I've always been really... There's nothing in the world like it. Nothing, nothing. And I think that's where maybe that is also a factor of why my, my big love for extreme sports and all these adrenaline producing activities, I think. Uh, because yeah. after that, you just kind of have this... I had this need to feel that kind of in different things. And also that kind of started, you know, evolving through time and becoming more of a, of a craft and something that I wanted to express. And then I, I became more, more into acting. I didn't do much, so much hosting, but more acting, but, uh, but yeah, there is this feeling of being in that present moment mm-hmm. and that all your senses are engaged and the world seems to stop around you. And all that matters is that, one present moment and I feel when that it, you were hosting is that what you were doing as a kid it was it was hosting yeah I hosted, oh. I hosted videos uh, and and uh oh I didn't realize it was hosting like that's how I got my start oh really yeah oh my <laughs> god shut up that's so funny no when I was between the ages of like it was like eight to 11, but I like to say more nine, like eight to 10, but it continued okay. on before I came to LA. I lived in the Bay area in San Francisco okay. and I shot a TV show. I auditioned because I was a professional dancer, not okay. a stripper. I was a, like a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot. I was an eight year old stripper, you know? Um, no, I was um, like a competition dancer. Okay. And so I had done that and I loved being on stage and I loved performing more than anything. And someone had commented, oh, we're auditioning kids for being the host of this kids club. And it was for Warner Brothers. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember if they even had it in Mexico, but it was like, the, it was like Looney Tunes, Animaniacs, uh, Pinky yeah. and the Brain, all of these cartoons. All of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in on every, we would go in and shoot every Saturday and then on the weekends on Saturday and Sunday, that's when they would air it and I would interview different people. So I interviewed animators. I interviewed um, the mayor of San Francisco. I interviewed the San Jose Sharks hockey team. I went, they took me to SeaWorld and I had to interview someone who was in charge of the orcas. And then the craziest and like best thing in the entire world was I interviewed this director, John Waters, who I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he did Hairspray and Serial Mom and Pink okay. Flamingo and all of these old like classic not old like these classic raunchy like a drag queen starred and a lot of them divine all this stuff and so I was nine years old and I quoted one of the lines from the movie and one of the lines is are those pussy willows dotty and 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 he was like (laughs) who is this child I'm like oh my god Mr. Waters your movies are my favorite and he's like where's your mother like he was so (laughs) confused why this like nine-year-old but that is how I got bit by the camera bug because I loved being in front of a camera I loved interviewing and that's why it's so funny to me that I started doing this podcast and, and went back to, okay, well, I'm not on, you know, live camera audience of doing like a big bang. I'm not doing the sci-fi, you know, drama right now. I'm going back to my roots. So mm-hmm. I had no idea that that's what you did. And it's so bizarre to be a kid, right. And hosting like people think that's kind of a joke and I'm like, it's really not. It, it's it really not so much. Yes. And, and you really take it seriously because as a kid, you have this kind of sense of play, but also you have this sense of kind of, imagination and, and, and suspended 
this belief that you just yeah. really, really get into that thing and you yeah. get into the role of the reporter. And by the way, I went to, I went to interview the, the Orca trainers as well. No! <laughs> In Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so, it was so funny because, because it was... That was the hot, it. hot gossip of, I guess, the United States and Mexico was to interview the Orca trainers. That yes, was the yes, hot gossip. Probably when, when Free Willy came out or something yeah, like that. totally. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it was all, all this kind of going out there and it was really cool. I mean, you get, you get, just get really comfortable being in front of a camera. You get really comfortable talking to people, which I think is. And is, adults. I think that's very important is talking to adults. Yeah. I think is not really like, it's not that common. So mm-hmm. I think that that's, that it kind of like makes you go out of your comfort zone to be the adult in this situation, talking to the other adults. Yeah. That makes sense. I think it's fantastic that you, that you quoted that, that line. <laughs> What's going on with this kid? What's crazy is I saw him like probably 10 years ago and I'd never seen him ever again. And I went up to him at an art exhibit and I was like, Mr. Waters, like your biggest fan. I actually interviewed you when I was 10 years old in front of planet Hollywood. No less. If you remember those restaurants, like flashback. And I was like, Oh, and, um, and I, I told you my favorite movie, you know, was Cyril mom. And I was quoting, you know, the pussy willows. And he was like, what was your childhood like? I'm like, same thing. thing. We're still doing the same thing, aren't we? Like this banter, like we're right, we're right together. He did not think it was funny, but, um, (laughs) but I was like obsessed, but that's so awesome. And so how old were you when you started doing, you know, the, the other kind of acting, not the hosting, the the real acting. Well, we, we we're not real, excuse me, not real, but you know what I mean? The the drama. Dramatic acting. Dramatic. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, um, after, that we we shot this for a year and then we started it was really successful we went all over mexico city doing like tours and stuff and we're we're just kids we had such a good time um we would just you know play around and and it was a a whole group of kids and then the producer put us all when the show ended he put us all into the acting school of televisa he did like a special uh kids program and then it was quite a quite a prolific generation of kids that most of them are still working a lot right now. Wow. And Diego Luna was there. Gal Garcia was there. Um, there was a lot of kids that just uh, kept working their whole lives. And that's when I really started saying, hey, I, you know, I like this. I actually like the idea of... Because we took dance classes, we took music classes, we took acting, we took, uh, you know, theater, literature. And, and I it really... It was kind of like fame, you know, the fame school. Yeah. 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 <laughs> with, with kids. You were literally... With kids. But yeah, but they, so. but they had those all over the performing arts schools where, you know, even if you wanted to be an actor, you had to do X, Y, and Z to really be in tune with your body and like get to know yourself. Yes. And yes. so it's, yeah, I mean, that's fantastic that you did that. That is so cool. Cool. Yeah, we were there for about a year, and then, and then I started getting offered small roles and in, in, in stuff in Televisa. And the same thing, my dad was always like, "Okay, you can do this as long as you don't don't leave school, don't leave school." He was always about mm-hmm. don't not leaving school. Um, and then I went to, and then as my last year of of high school, right as I finished high school, I got. Yeah, I start. I was doing small roles, and then right after when I finished high school, I did my first big kind of TV show that I was a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in it the whole time, and it was a lot of fun because it was about a group of kids 
that went on their high school trip, you know? So I, I was actually oh, fun. that experience and yeah. shooting at the same time. So yeah. uh, I had a really good time. And then, you kind of like lived out your high school experience that you would have in a normal yeah. school by doing it on a show. So but shooting, yeah, shooting every day and then and you know, getting massages afterwards. And then going partying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then going partying at night. <laughs> um, and and yeah, that's when it kind of started getting more and more serious. And then I dropped it for a while because I went to fin- I wanted to study college, and then I wanted to get I wanted to get into film. I wanted to study film. And uh, my dad, being as German as he was, was like, no, film is not a serious career. You still right. should study, you know, engineering or, um, you know, some kind of serious thing. And yeah, yeah. I was all confused. And I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to Europe to backpack. I said, I'm going to go study French for six months to, to Paris. And they're like, right. okay, but when you come back, you have to make a choice. And I said, okay, okay. I took, so I got a backpack. I had a, a friend in Paris. I called her up. I said, listen, can I stay with you guys for a while? And I stayed there for for about a month. I went to French school for about two weeks. And then my friend's like, you don't want to go to French school to learn French. Let's go walk the streets of Paris. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I stayed there for about a month. And then we got on a car and we started road tripping all over France. And then I ended up in Portugal. And I, you know, I, I ended up in the south of Portugal and in a great town called Lagos, which is full of uh, Aussies and people from New Zealand and people from the wow. state. It's a surfer town. I got a job in a bar. And I was living the life. I was having the best time of my life, you know? Oh, my gosh. And then I decided, I said, you know what? I'm not going. I called my parents. There's no cell phones at that time. So right. know, the little card and called. Do, 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 I have 10 euros left. And um, 10 euros left. <laughs> I, 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 I said, I'm not going back. I'm not coming back for Christmas. I'm staying here. I'm staying here in Europe. And they were a bit freaked out. But then they said, okay, um, you're good, right? I said, yeah, yeah. You're not being coerced by anybody. And I'm like, no, 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 no. this is my own choice. I want to stay here. <laughs> and they stayed. I, I, I backpacked for about a year. I ended up in Morocco and in the Canary Islands. And, and I, you know, I, it was just living this life of exploring the world. And that's when I really realized that one of my greatest passions is traveling and just seeing mm. the world. Um, but when I came back, you, you know, I had to make this choice and I went to college. I studied. Um, Media and visual arts, which was the the biggest the kind best of, of both. Yeah, yeah. It, it was actually a career in university, but it was kind of had to a lot to do with film and television and theater. Right. And um, same thing. I, I I forgot about acting for a while, and when I was in 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 college, I ran into the same producer that I worked with when I was a kid in the street randomly, and I had dreads. I I, I had gone to Spain no. for the summer, and I had dreadlocks down to here. And he's like, Adam, what's going on? I love that look. I said, yeah, you know, I went to Spain, got these dreads. He's like, we got to talk. Give me a call because I'm starting this show and there's a great role for you. And I said, well, like, just, just give me a call. Come to the office. And same thing. I went to his office. He offered me a role right there. At, and, and I did this hugely, you know, popular TV show about, it was also kind of geared towards more of a teen audience. It was about uh, these kids in, in, in high school and I was the art teacher that was all kind of hippie and played the guitar. But was it kind of like a Riverdale type of like yeah, where it could like be that. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <gasps> something like that. And then, um, you know, that. Did you get to keep your dreads? I got to keep my dreads. And then we, we also shot this for, for like nine months or 10 months. And at the end of the show, the producer was like, okay, 
add up. I want you, I want, we want to have to change this. I want you to shave your head, you know, on the show, cut your dreads and then you change and you're this completely new character. And I said, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Let me think about it. And I went to, to the beach to, I, I surfed. So I, I took the weekend off and I went surfing to think about this and to think about just life. I had left my, my, my career. I I'd studied, you know, three years and I still had a year to go. One of my best friends had just went to Australia to finish his, his career. And I wrote him, wrote him an email. He said, you have to come over. This is the best, you know, place in the world. And I said, yes, I can't continue. I don't want that. And, and it was very, the, the show was very, very popular. And I was, you know, this blonde guy with, you know, blonde dreads in Mexico city. So it was, I was very notorious. Right. Right. I was just not ready for all this. I was like, no, 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 wait, I don't want this. So I, I, I took off. I just took off. I, I organized all my paperwork. They accepted me in Australia. And as soon as the show ended, I told the producer, I'm not, I'm not losing the dress. I'm finishing the show. But the and next I'm out. Day I went to Australia. And I, I just, you know, and I said, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish college. I, I was in Australia for about almost two years. Where in Australia were you? In Sydney. In Sydney. Yeah. I did a TV show in Sydney. Um, we shot a pilot there, and it was about two and a half months because wow. um, the producer was Joel Silver, who did the Matrix uh, trilogy, and yeah. they were shooting the Matrix at the same Okay. Maybe this, I think it was the third, the second or third, and they were shooting it in Sydney. So they had to do the pilot in Sydney because he had to watch both at the same time. Okay. And it was like the most magical experience because I was 15. I was like with my mom, but I have a very cool mom. Okay. And I was just like, what is this new world and these sets? And it was at, Fo there was Fox Studios. Do you remember Fox Studios? Yes, and it yeah, was yeah. big because there was an amusement park there. So I guess it was like Universal where they shoot things and there's, anyways. But I lived on Crown Street. Do you remember Crown mm -hmm. Street? Crown Street was in like their version of West Hollywood. And I, and Anyways, it was like so magical okay. and I thought, and I have yet to go back to Sydney, but I'd been before when I was a kid, but everything always comes up where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go there. But if I go there, I also want to go, want to go here, here and here. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, you know, and then I'm like, oh shit, I'm working. Like, I don't have time to do this, but it must've been so fucking cool living over there. Yeah. I was, I was absolutely blown away by this place. I was, you know, I, I forgot about all this kind of. Uh, work and fame and everything. I was just, you know, a surfer dude. I would, I would go yeah. surfing every morning. I would go to school. I would get back home. It was such an incredible life. Uh, and and I don't know this kind of college experience where you're all, you know, we're shooting documentaries and talking about changing the world and everything was such an idealistic. Where it was, it was a really great experience. And you and, still kept in touch with doing the the whole film aspect of it by doing like what were the documentaries about well we we kind of shot a few things of of um i was really into aboriginal studies and I cool. wanted, yeah i wanted my thesis was going to be about uh um kind of a comparison between rites of passage between aboriginals in australia and tarahumaras in mexico in the north of mm. mexico another tribe called the tarahumaras and they have i found they had a lot of similarities so i wanted to shoot this this doco as as my thesis and as i came i i finished college and i came back to la because my sister lived he lived here so i when i was here visiting 
I had a girlfriend in Sydney and stuff. And I said, listen, I'm going to go there to LA, visit family for a little bit. I'll be right back, you know, take care of my stuff. <laughs> you know where this is going, right? And um, I, I, as I was in LA with my sister and I received a call literally the minute I arrived from a writer that I hadn't seen that I'd worked with in Mexico five years prior. And she offered me a role in a show they were going to shoot in Miami. In Miami? I was in Telemundo in Miami. I you like, have worked in the most fun place. <laughs> I know. I didn't know. I, I, was, I was like, wait, this is, I mean, there cannot be a clear sign that this is a calling. Right. Literally a calling. I had no contact with these people I at mean, all. if it was the other producer, I'd be like, okay, I think yeah. like he's like had enough of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if it's a lady in Miami, okay, then yeah, this makes so, sense. Um, so I said, uh, I thought about it. And it's those moments in life where I was like, ah, uh, and I said, you know what? I really like acting. I've, I've been kind of negating this part of myself because I wanted to finish uh, university. You were learning more about yourself and yes. that's fine. Yeah. Yes. And then I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to Miami. And I called my girlfriend in, in Australia. I'm like, could you send me my things? <laughs> she said, no, I'm going to say. But then I, I ended sending her a ticket and she came to Miami and visited okay. He was there for a while. And then, you know, having a long distance. Gone. Yeah. I mean, having a long distance relationship is complicated. Oh, wait. So then you had moved to Miami for this, yeah. this and then role. I moved to, then I moved to Miami and I started doing this show. And um, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this path as a career. This is, uh, it was just. And was that. this a Mexican TV show as well? Or this was yeah. an American? It was a Mexican. It was a. Uh, Co-production between Venezuela and Mexico and uh, Telemundo, I think it was. Telemundo was just starting in Miami. So, yeah, it was for Latin, Latin America. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's when I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue this seriously. And then when I finished that show, I moved back to L.A. and I, I got into, into acting classes. And I started, you know, really um, preparing myself as an actor and just saying, okay, right. now I'm going to be an actor. Right, 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 right. Committed to the role. Yes, yes. Committed to the to the to the career, and um, and yeah, that's when it started. And I, you know, I haven't stopped working since, and it's been a lot of fun. Wow. Um, and a funny story about my dad. He was he was all like, "Oh well, you should." I we talked about this. I don't like you doing this. And I was shooting a show in Mexico, and I was still living at at my parents' house, I think. And uh, I came back home. And I saw him, he was sitting in front of the TV watching me and he was, there was tears in his eyes. Stop. And, and he was like, now oh, I understand why you do this. And I gave him a oh. hug. And it was such a beautiful moment of just saying, Oh my gosh, how cute is that? Yeah. That's yeah. so nice though, that you were able to grow up in a, in a, in a family where they did, you know, they had the rules of, I, I mean, I know what that was like. School came first. But yeah. then, like, what was my real passion? And they, you know, my mom knew, like, okay, what does she really want to do? She really wants to be an actress. And I can either stop this and tell her no, or yeah. I can let her actually pursue this and live her dreams. And if it doesn't work out, well, then, you know, she'll have an education to fall back on if she wants, yeah. but otherwise she'll be miserable. And I think a lot of people, you know, deal with that. I think that it's really tough. They, they, choose a career just because their family tells them not even for money or anything, just because their family does. Yeah. They're like fucked for the rest of their life and they're miserable. And then they like, 
getting really fucked up all the time because they can't handle their life, you know? Yeah, right. There's a lot of people who, who I think following your own path has such a big, has such a big importance. But then there's also this thing of parent responsibility that parents think that mm-hmm. they're making the right choice for you and the safe choice and the choice that you're going right. to thrive in. But then a lot of people who are imposed that choice are really unhappy. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. I also grew up in a very, um, you know, my parents were very kind of open to, to things. They were kind of strict in certain, certain things, but um, they, they never imposed us to do anything that we didn't want. It. And that actually went maybe even against the family business. But I think if I would have been forced into that, I would be tremendously unhappy. And there would always be this part of me of this unfulfilled dream. So, so yeah, I think it's really important to just trust that kids have that instinct right. and that, that calling and say, as, as, as you said, I mean, if it doesn't work out, there's always some up something else that you can find, but not having all these people who are frustrated because they're not allowed to follow their dream. Yep. They're not. And exactly. That's what it is. It's like punish. It's like, that's how I feel. I would have been if I was told, no, I couldn't do this. I would have gone even further off the deep end emotionally and mentally than I already am, which is probably would have been really bad, but yeah. And and then probably you would have ended up pursuing acting anyway, you know, in in a different, somehow you would have ended up doing what you're doing. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's better to support that dream and, and, and trust that maybe it's not the traditionally safe choice, but if there's, I, I think if there's something that I really, really admire is people who have that kind of that clarity and that vocation from, from when they're kids. I mean, I, 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 these kids that when, when I went to school and they're like, I want to be a doctor, I say, yeah, whatever. But then as we kept on growing up, they, they, com- they were they committed did. to being a doctor I'm like, wow, I, I wish, you know, I could have that clarity <laughs> when you're 12. <laughs> yeah, but you, but you understand you did. Yeah, now I, now I, I realize. I mean, you, you completely did because you created this career for yourself starting as a child because you could have been like, oh yeah, it's fun to be in front of a camera, but like, fuck this, I don't want to do this. But somehow, and also to be fair, all these people were giving you these opportunities. You could have said no. You could have stayed in Australia and been a beach bum and yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you could yeah. have done that. You know, yeah. it's just so crazy. Now I have to ask a really like random off-topic subject. So when your lady and I, Ivana, um, fell in love in San Francisco, we were talking about how my dream was to be on a telenovela, and that like I just wanted to live this like drama life. And she's like, "You have no idea. I do live this in real life." I said, "What do you mean?" And she goes, "Well." My boyfriend is on a hugely popular show and he plays a drug lord. And (laughs) she's like, people really do believe that they write him in from jail and believe that he's like a drug lord and part of this life. People walk on the streets, girls get upset that he's in a relationship with me because they think he should be with this other woman. I need you to explain to me, like, what does this mean that this is your life? I, I, that is the coolest thing in the world to me. That is so fucking cool. Well, I have to say people that, um, watch these shows are very passionate and they're very passionate and they really kind of have this, they fully commit to what's happening on the show. So it's, it's, I mean, it's good and bad. I usually 
because I like acting and not only being famous, I usually veer to roles that are a bit more com complex. And this usually falls in the, into the category of the antagonist, you know, right. because the protagonist is usually all, always all good, all good, all right, righteousness, all virtue. And I'm like, ah, that's kind of boring. I mean, I, I've done that a couple of times and it's a bit boring for me. So I kind of chose all these other characters. And it's funny because people really, when they see me on the street, yeah. are like, but you should be with her. You should, why are you treat her so wrong? And it's, it's, it's crazy <laughs> to see that. Now I laugh, you know, and I, I follow their game a little bit and then we just kind of laugh. But uh, a lot of times people have, you know, I, w I went to an event once um, to like an autograph signing thing and it was a whole bunch of us and I was a bad guy in the show and they, they wanted to boo me off stage and they started throwing things at me and they're like, no, el malo, el malo, sáquenlo, sáquenlo. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just a show. And then they're like, no, no, you better get off stage because they're going to get kind of like, you know, rowdy. <laughs> oh, my God. And the fact that you had people from jail writing you being like, oh, my God, man, I respect you for what you did in the yeah. drug community. And, like, yeah. I want to stand by your side. And you're like, oh, and that's yeah, but what I do. That is, yeah, it is, it is kind of. Um, How surreal. It's surreal. It's surreal. And it also makes you realize that the big responsibility you have as a right. communicator. Because what we're doing is kind of communicating ideas. We're you know, interpreting roles, but at the end, the core of what we're doing is we're, we're letting a lot of people into a story that has a message that we, I mean, I don't, pre I don't preach anything. I don't want to be, you know, educating people in their houses, no. but I do know there is a message that is conveyed through the stories that we tell. So I do, I, I found that there's a big responsibility behind this. And especially now that we have, you know, social platforms where, where we can have a more direct communication with with the fan base because before it was that people would send letters to the TV station and then yeah. they would send them to us and then we could answer or not. And there was a lot of mail like this. There was a lot of uh, people, as you said, people from jail who were like uh, identifying with the role or kids who were saying, yeah, I want to be a drug lord when I grow up. And then I realized, Oh, this is maybe not the right message that I want to be right. putting out there. So, um, I found that I've, I've been using, you know, all these social platforms and having this voice also gives a, a responsibility to, to also convey a, a message that aligns more with my core values and with mm -hmm. something that I want to um, communicate and put out there. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I like these roles because I'm an actor and I like to get into that, those shoes and start having kind of exploring that world. But I also have this responsibility as a person that I don't want kids to grow up thinking that's the right thing to do. Right. Well, I think what's also really great what you're doing is, you know, Ivana has the incredible app Story Place that I've been, you know, so lucky to be like a one, one mil millionth a part of by writing stories and, and having kind of my fan base follow along in that. But the mental health world and all that is also very new to you. Yeah. and And it seems like, from what I've heard that it's something that you have a strong passion for. And maybe that's another way that you can use your voice now, yeah. which I think is so great that it's like this new chapter in your life where you can express now, okay, well, these are the issues. This is what needs to happen. How can I help this younger generation exactly. where I was and bring them here now? Yes, exactly. And I think it's been such a, such a, 
great um, learning experience of all these other new things that, have, that I find that uh, I'm, I'm passionate about. I don't know that much of, but I'm really learning. And I think right now, for example, seeing, I know that there's, there's a stop, uh, topic you put up in, in Story Place. Yeah. And I love how people are connecting through stories to these maybe uncomfortable things or maybe things that are not spoken of as much because there's this kind of cultural social stigma to to oh these are things that we only talk about inside the house and we can talk cannot talk about them publicly but i think it is amazing that for example these uh mental health issues are now being spoken of in a more relaxed way in 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 the sense that you don't have to feel guilty um mm -hmm. to talk about it so i think that is for me that is something that i really want to Uh, be a part of, and especially in the situation that in the in the moment that we're living right now. Okay, we're all right. having to stay home. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of anxiety. A lot of fear. People all over the world are are you know losing jobs and not knowing when they're going to be able to come out. And there's a lot of people you know dying from this kind of thing that we don't really understand. So I think for me right now, being able to use that voice to connect to people and 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 just convey a message. Or be able to talk to someone. I've been trying to use the, my 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 social platforms to just talk to people who are locked up by themselves and 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 have nobody to talk to. Just being kind of uh, 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 an ear, or just being someone to be supportive of their situation, without having you know. I don't have the answers. I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I'm not trained in any of this. But I think. One of the most important things right now is just connecting, just being able to be heard and to, to let people know that, hey, listen, there's someone here that wants to listen to you. And that's why Story Place, for example, is so amazing because people who didn't have necessarily a channel to, to, to kind of convey that story now have a, a way to, to, to channel it. So I They think have an outlet to release that stress and release that anxiety and do all that. And I think that that's what's so great about You know, I talk about story place just in general on how awesome it is because, you know, you can be anonymous if you want. You can be yourself if you want. You can be whatever persona you want and there's no judgment. And yeah. I think that that's what's really important. And that's why I kind of started this show was beyond being bipolar and being fucked up and wanting to have my own story out there <laughs> and, you know, being like, oh, here it is. Um, I think it's important to interview different people, hear how they deal with mental health, what it means to them. And not everyone, I mean, like, no one's coming on my show every single time being like, well, I'm schizophrenic. Well, I'm, you know, A, B, and C, you know, they're not doing that. But everyone has some sort of connection to mental health, whether you know it or not. Exactly. And like for you, you are here, you have a platform, you have a voice, you have a special audience that not a lot of actors even have because you have the connection to people where they know you beyond knowing you from the business. Like they just yeah. feel that connection. So you can even get in there even more than the normal actor could actually, if you, like to be honest, you know? And I think that you're using that in such an amazing way to just show people that they're being hurt. It's fucking lonely. Yeah, it is. It is lonely. And, and it also, I, I love what you said about you know, just being yourself. And, and I love that you're doing that. For example, you're showing yourself as you are from your, you know, from your My closet, from your closet. <laughs> that is amazing because most people that are celebrities or on TV or whatever want to kind of keep this persona that everything is perfect and everything is fine when it's not. We're also right. human beings who go through shit, who suffer 
you know, through emotional issues. And I think it's great that you have this ability to bring out that in people, to say, listen, this is who we are. Let's, let's have the courage to, to, to be vulnerable and to just walk naked into the world, emotionally naked, okay? Or, 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 or physically, wanna, I don't you know. know. If you want to do it, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just kind of take all those, those, those layers off and say, this is who we really are. And we're all in that same kind of level connected to one another and, and we're all searching for the same things. We're all, you know, those, 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 those babies who, who are searching for emotional support. So yeah, I think that is such an incredible thing of what we are able to do right now. And I think that is such an incredible thing of what you're doing. You're talking about, I Thank heard you, you talking about uh, um, that everybody, you said something like everybody has emotions and everybody needs support. Yeah. Emotional it's support. True. It's that simple. You don't have to come there, as you said. You don't come have to come on and say, "Oh, I'm a schizophrenic or I have this pathology." No, we all have some some sort of emotional, mental thing that we're dealing with, and I think one of the best ways to deal with it is just talk about it and be open about it, and people will listen. And I think that you know that was the that's what I love about story plays and what I talk about Ivana with Ivana all the time is that I you know I created a platform on Facebook. It's just a group, an emotional support group, and people can go on there and listen to the show. And if you're mean, if you say anything bad, I fucking kick you off because I run it. But yeah. it's so nice because I've had people. One guy was from Paris and he wrote in and he was like, "I'm having a nervous breakdown. I don't know what to do. I've never felt this way." I've never felt suicidal and I feel this. Mm. There was a man from Houston that was like, hey man, I've been there before. This is what I do. Someone from Germany wrote in, this is what I do. And it was just like so weird because it's not even a huge platform. There's like 200 members on it. Okay. But like those 200 curated, amazing people have come together to support one another. And I think that that's what's so awesome about Story Place. It's the same thing of getting people to write a story and you read this one story, like uh, for instance, some, I had I, I written a story about my coming out of bipolar, whatever you want to say. I use that in quotes for the podcast. <laughs> this is different, but anyways, um, but there was a, and I had asked, you know, people to write what's your, you know, your mental health story for mental health awareness. I think we did it like six months ago or maybe even longer. Um, and there was a man who wrote me, I believe it was a man from the way he wrote it. Um, and he was talking about his PTSD that he had gotten from the war and mm. then how it was actually triggered in other ways, like through society and then through his relationship. And, and it was just, and he's like, I've never written this before in my life. I've never actually said it out loud. Yeah. And to know like, wow, he felt such a release and such a weight off his shoulders just from writing this one story on Story Place. Yeah. That's fucking awesome because is, here I am months later and I still think about it and I still talk about how much of an impact it had for me. Imagine the impact it had for him. I mean, just getting that weight off your shoulders by, by kind of first owning your narrative and saying, okay, this is who I am and I accept the entirety of who I am with my positive and negative things. You don't have to hide that part. You have to accept it and then share it. And then right. it will not only take a weight off your shoulders, maybe it will impact someone who reads it in such a way that they'll say, oh, wait, I'm not alone in this. I can, I can talk about this too. I feel the same thing. Let's right. talk about this. And then as you did, you create this community of people who it's, it's not about um, 
having all the answers. It's just about mm. sharing, listening, and then kind of having this reciprocity in, in communication, which I think is, is what right now it's, it's such, such an easy thing to do because we have all these, you know, all this technology that makes us much more connected. I mean, the fact that, you know, we've never met and we're doing this over, you know, uh, we're doing a podcast recording in my closet and in your office. I mean, I don't think it gets any more fun than this. Like, I think we're living the dream. Um, Well, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every single person on this show. Um, It could be big. It could be small. It could be whatever you want. But what makes you get up in the morning and continue on with your life? (laughs) <laughs> what makes me get up in the morning? First of all, I feel, well, there's this one thing that for me is a, a great um, motivator. And when I'm feeling down, it's almost like an antidepressant. He's called Chico and he's my German shepherd dog. <laughs> Do you know Ivana said the same thing? <laughs> really? <laughs> It is. It is. I mean, it's just a reason. He's my emotional therapy dog. He is the most magical. Like he is the sexiest dog I've ever seen in my life. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> if you if you'd see him right now, you would. He has. He's got a, like a hotspot, so he has one of those cones, those no. plastic cones, and he's not feeling sexy at all right now. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's one of the things. But then uh, deeper in, I think I'm excited about what. I, I can do that day. I'm just ex- excited about having a new day and a new opportunity of learning, of growing, of connecting with people and of finding some new way that I can, that I can help and that I can connect mm-hmm. and that I can kind of put myself out there to be a, uh, like a, give a lending hand to someone. So that for me right now has been a really big, motivator for getting up and i think right now that we're that we're having to stay home um just working on on myself working on going inside going inside every day i've been meditating meditating every day and reading a a lot of things that have been kind of feeding my soul and and kind of repurposing how i want to see things and i think it's a great opportunity for that for just realizing I'm I'm kind of skeptical of people who are lying on their couch saying, "Oh, I just want life to get back to normal." I want to, I'm like, it's it's not necessarily gonna for me. It's not gonna go back to normal. There's no, it never will. The normal that we used to live in is 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 obsolete. It's it's outdated. We can't go back to that normal because we're realizing that that normal brought us to this place right now. And and so just kind of evolving. internally and using all this time this space this kind of pause to feed myself uh you know also literally feeding myself a lot (laughs) but also feeding my soul with with meditation and writing and reading and learning new things um that really that really inspires me and, and motivates me right now no i i think that that's so true and i don't think people understand there is no going back to normal like i would love to go back to normal there's nothing more i would want um but unfortunately that's not going to happen it's going to be a completely new world and i do hope that people take a little bit from what you're doing and you know find that deepness inside of themselves and kind of learn to 
be in touch with themselves and, and take this time and this change for the better. I think yes. that that's the most important yes. is like, take this moment that we have, change it up and see if you can become a better human for the rest of the world. That is beautiful. Well, let's be the promoters of that, Sandra. Let's, let's not let that um, message, you know, be forgotten. And I think it's in our hands. We have this great chance right now to, to keep on talking about this and to, mm-hmm. you know, have this, as you said, this, it doesn't have to be a huge group of people. That, that what you said, that group of 200 people that are just, you know, interacting. And those people, if each one of those uh, tells another person, another person, another and person. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. So, yeah, let's not let this uh, be forgotten. And uh, I love that you're, you're promoting all of this. And count me in. Count me in and as, as an ally for all of these things. Well, thank you so much for being one of my emotional support humans. <laughs> this was amazing. I hope now it gives me major straight cred in Mexico right now yeah, that course, I'm hanging out with you. Um, and I oh, wait, need to go. To- you want to have street cred in Mexico? We have, oh, to, yes. we have to learn some, some Spanish. Okay? okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, you're going to say, ¿Qué onda? ¿Qué onda? ¿Qué onda? ¿Qué onda? What am like, I saying? Like, what's up? <laughs> ¿Qué onda? Instead of saying hola, you say, ¿qué onda? ¿Qué onda? Yo soy Alessandra. Yo soy Alessandra. And then you say, uh, muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. There you go. <laughs> well, I always laugh with everyone. The only Spanish I know is poquito mas, because poquito. I order poquito mas every single day. <laughs> <laughs> It's the my favorite Mexican restaurant of all time. Like, uh, oh my god. Anyways, so that I know how to say poquito mas, okay. and I always like say, oh, uh, you know, I know how to. Say, I I put a little like flair to it yeah, when it I say it, so they think that I'm fancy. Well, I really appreciate this. I cannot wait to go to Mexico with you and Ivana, and like live my fantasy of like being. Maybe I'll come on a telenovela. Maybe I can do an extra role on it. I'm pretty sure you could. Dream. I love that. I love that. Oh my god. Well, thank you so much for doing this time. Thank you. And um, I will definitely be seeing you in Ivana very soon. All right. Well, thanks. All right. Emotion. Al. Support.